subcontractors are salt of the earth guys. They just want to go to work. And so they would just sign these documents and the general contractor's attorney would draft a document like attorneys do thinking there would be a negotiation and there just never was. And so they just started signing them. And so they have all these horrible terms in there and nobody's saying, Hey guys, one misstep and it could take your whole business, right? There, there are so many dangerous things in these contracts and like nobody's, nobody's saying anything. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end -end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Hey, hey, this is Gordon Henry at Winning on Main Street. And this week, we're fortunate to meet Carolyn Cromines. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Great to have you. So quick intro on Carolyn. Carolyn Cromines is the owner of Carolyn Cromines Law Firm, specializing in construction. She's written two books, Quit Getting Screwed, Understanding and Negotiating the Subcontract, and Quit Getting Stiffed, A Texas Contractor's Guide to Collections and Lien Rights. She has extensive experience within the construction and real estate industries and goes the extra mile providing her clients with innovative legal strategies and services necessary to protect their rights. Carolyn's on a mission to educate and inform subcontractors on the importance of understanding what they're signing, negotiating a fair subcontract, and understanding their lien and collective uh, collections rights. What should our listeners get out of this episode? Carolyn's book says, everyday subcontractors across all trades face the same critical dilemma. Should I sign a subcontract I don't understand? She wrote, Quit getting screwed to help every subcontractor, no matter how big or small, understand what those subcontracts mean. So tell us about your career path. What got you into this whole world of subcontracting? Okay, so um, I'll start where I started and then we'll go backwards. So uh, in my last year of law school, um, I actually, my husband and I actually started a material supply company. And I actually, I went to work for uh, one of my real estate professors right out of law school and started working with him. And then it very fastly became my full-time job to do our collection works for our material supply company. And so I got into lean and collections. And then the people I started collecting from were like, oh, you're so good. Can you help me? And then I got into contract disputes and it really, it really, I really didn't understand what advantage I had of growing up in the construction industry. So my grandfather was an excavator. My first jobs were my un uncle, who's a subcontractor. My, my, uh, you know, my brother's a, a irrigation subcontractor. So it's it, it was just something that I knew, and so I could come at it from a place that I've sat in your shoes, being a family business, and how important it is, and then try to break down the the you know the complex legal ideas so somebody, everybody can understand it. Why did you write your latest book, Quit Getting Screwed? What were you trying to achieve? Um, nobody's out there saying this. Like if, so if a, a fresh law school grad or a normal contract attorney was to pick up uh, a subcontract, they would rather burn it than try to fix it because it is so one-sided. And what has happened is that subcontractors are salt of the earth guys. They just want to go to work. And so they would just sign these documents and the general contractor's attorney would draft a document like attorneys do thinking there would be a negotiation and there just never was. And so they just started signing them. And so they have all these horrible terms in there and nobody's saying, Hey guys, one misstep and it could take your whole business. Right. 
there, there are so many dangerous things in these contracts and like, nobody's, nobody's saying anything. Um, and it's it just, it's just wrong. So it's really kind of a noble cause. You're looking out for the subcontractor who's sort of the little guy in this whole equation and trying to protect him or her against the, is it against the general contractor or is it against somebody else? Who's it against? Normally, generally it's the general contractor. Um, yeah, that's who we're generally against. My residential contractors usually write their own contractor, write their own contracts, uh, but they, you know, we have disputes in that case too. But usually the the aggressiveness comes from a general contractor to a subcontractor. Okay. So uh, before we get into the details of the book, I'd love it if you could give us one or two examples of the worst subcontractor stories of subcontractors getting screwed ever that you've come across. So yeah, sure. the first one that comes to mind is really the reason why I wrote the book. So in January of 20, I took a contractor to trial and um, he lost, like I got a judgment against him for $400,000. And it wasn't because he did anything wrong. It was because he didn't understand the contract that he signed and a particular clause that was a pay when paid clause that because the general contractor was messing up the pay applications to the owner and kept pushing payments out for 90, 120 days, he couldn't float the cash, but he didn't have the right to stop working. And he didn't understand that. And then he, he, he walked the job and they came after him for what it cost to finish. And like, these guys have no idea when they're walking in that situation, that, that that's what could happen. So that's probably the most egregious one that, that I've had. It was just like, what the, you know, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe like you can go do a good job and it's still not enough. Right, right. And throughout the book, you have examples like that of subcontractors basically getting screwed, not because they did anything wrong with the job, but because they either signed too quickly, didn't read it, didn't notice it, assumed, you know, ASSUME, mm-hmm. uh, and bad things happen, right? So it, 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 it's quite often this can be a, a real life problem for real life subcontractors if they're not careful and working with somebody like you. Yeah, absolutely. On the daily. And and then here's the thing is like, even if you don't want to negotiate the whole contract, at least understanding the risk that you're taking and that you're walking in with your eyes wide open and understand yeah. what you're agreeing to. All right. So let's get into the book. It's very straightforward about all the ways you could get screwed as a subcontractor. And I'd like to go into um, uh, one area uh, where you begin with, which is the bid. So you say when you're talking about the bid, that's like the way the whole thing begins. You say that a general contractor will try to attach the conditions of the prime contract, right? Which is like the main contract, the general contractor's contract to the subcontract. And you have to fight that because you don't know what's in there and what you're getting into, right? So that kind of floored me right off the bat. Like I'm signing two contracts in one almost, and I'm supposed to read all this stuff. Read and understand it. And, and, and most times they don't even give you the copy of the other contract. You're just supposed to say you've read it and agreed to it, but they don't give it to you. So like, I mean, for your, I, I don't know that many subcontractors you do, but I imagine they're the little guy, they're up against this big general contractor and they're just like, all right, seems okay, right? And just do it. And it, they're, they're stepping into this whole world of unknown uh, liability, right? Absolutely. And so they never know which, cause it's fine until it's not right. Everything's going good. And, 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 and the other two, like, there's a lot of technical things like we have daily reports and all, and any, anything that you don't do on that contract that you signed that you didn't read and don't know what it means, 
means you're in default under the contract and they cannot pay you and a bunch of other bad things. So it's like, you're not, you don't even know what you're walking into, you know, and I review contracts on a daily. So I had a client that is um, signed three or four different contracts with this general contractor um, and they're not getting paid on some of the contracts. And they're like, Hey, we have this last contract. We haven't even started. Can you read this? Can, is there any way we can get out of it? And there's, there, there's no way that they can get out of it. So they're not even getting paid on the other jobs, but they have to move forward on this uh, on this final job that they've signed off on because they signed the contract. And if they don't, um, then they can then they'll be terminated before they even start, and they'll hire somebody else at a higher price. And then my guy would be on the hook for the difference. So it's not even it's not it's not a great place to be. Now, one of the things you bring out on this and other points is that these contracts are written. Um, one-sided for a reason. Like the lawyers for the general contractor writes the contract in the general contractor's favor, favor, kind of almost expecting a fight, right? And then the subcontractor doesn't fight, just signs it and gives up all. And if they had pushed back, they probably could have gotten some concessions. So do I, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And and usually, and usually like when we talk about negotiating contracts, it's never like, no, I'm just not going to agree to this. It's like, okay, where can we meet in the middle? What would be average ground? Like the whole purpose of the subcontract is to push the risk down. And don't be wrong, the further you push it down, the less likelihood they could handle the risk anyways. Right. But there should be some middle ground. Like even if, if, even if the general contractor doesn't get paid, they should pay, have to pay the sub something. So, you know, you're pushing the risk of the entire project on the guy who can least afford it, right? The owner's getting paid because he got money from a bank. The contractor is working and then waiting to get paid. So they they work and in month increments and they, they do a pay app for that month and then they're waiting to get paid. So if something, if there's a kink in that system very fastly, we can be out of cash, but still have to be running the project. Okay, so then you talk about subcontractor bonds, which was a new thing for me. and how if you have a bond and the general contractor comes after you, they can take like potentially all of your personal belongings, right? Yeah. So a bond is basically a personal guarantee of the project because what you're doing is you sign the contract that requires a bond and you go to the, and the bond basically says, hey, general contractor, if this sub fails to finish, we'll pay you to finish. And then your agreement with the bond, com- the sub's agreement with the bond company is if we have to pay out one single dime, we're coming after you for that. And any else, any and all of our attorneys' fees and interests, and not just you on your company, but your person. But in order to get a bond, you have to pledge your personal assets, bank accounts, everything, to get it. And so they already have that available to them. So then right. it basically becomes a personal guarantee of your performance under the contract, even though you have a company. So it's it's not insurance, right? Like no. it doesn't work like insurance. No. So like most people think bond insurance, I'll just file a claim and they they'll pay it. Not in this situation. In, a bond is insurance, but not for you. It's for the general contractor and for the owner. <laughs> right. Okay, so then you talk about scope of work and how if you do not clearly detail the scope of work, you could be liable to perform huge amounts of work and not get paid for it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so what usually happens is like a, a contractor will review the plans and specs and submit a bid to the general contractor. And that bid will be accepted and the, and the general contractor issues the subcontractor a, uh, a contract that has a scope of work. Subcontractors assume that what they bid is that scope of work. Hmm. That's not, generally not the case. There's usually at least something different, or if not something hugely different. So 
your bid is, is no longer part of the agreement once you sign that scope. And if there's something different that you didn't catch, you're now on the hook to do that at no, at, at no additional increased money. So it happens all the time that people didn't realize that's not what I bid. I'm like, it doesn't matter what you bid. What was attached in your scope of work? What did you agree to do? Hmm. And we could go on. I mean, each chapter, it's, it's almost like each chapter is another, you know, like you're reading a page of a novel where you're like, oh my God, all the bad things that could happen to this poor person. <laughs> and then you do say along the way, you should incorporate, which I would think out of the gate, that would be the one thing most people would kind of know, like, oh, mm -hmm. I should incorporate. So I have that liability shield where if they come after me, they can come after the company, but they can't come after me personally. So does that, how much help is that? I think it's a lot, unless there's a bond, right? Then it's not much help. But I do think because if you get in one of these situations and you have a company and it goes south, you can bankrupt it and it won't affect your personal assets. Um, you know, it makes it more pliable that you won't, you know, look, it, if there was a misstep, it's just the company. It's not, you know, not taking, you know, taking your house or anything something like that. Right, right, right. Okay. So how are most subcontractors in terms of following these instructions? You wrote the book, so I assume a lot of subcontractors do get screwed. They do. And, and usually what we help them do is find out their risk tolerance, right? So we'll find their risk tolerance, what they're willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And then we'll go through the contracts and say, hey, here's this risk. Here's some ideas on how to negotiate it. And usually we'll give them the ideas and they go back and do it because it seems awful aggressive when we're negotiating a contract. They th think it's awful aggressive. If I step in and start negotiating it for them, they don't, they don't want to, they want the work, right. But they don't want to sign up, sign up for something that's so one-sided. So we have negotiations. And so, you know, everybody's got a different risk tolerance. What is, what is it worth it to them? And, and, and generally speaking, if you can get into a groove with a general contractor that you work well together, it's usually not an issue. It's just when things go bad, they go really bad. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a problem until it is. Right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on top of writing books about subcontracts, you run a law firm helping subcontractors. Uh, tell us about your firm. Yeah, so uh, we're a construction law firm. That's all we do. Uh, we help contractors in all 50 states. We do flat fee contract creation work, flat fee uh, contract review work. What we really try to do is because, you know, growing up with average small size business, you need a lawyer, but you don't need something that you can't afford or you don't know what to expect. And so as much as we can, we try to nail that down to here's what, here's what you're going to pay. Here's what it includes. And here's how we can help. And di with just different options, right? most of my job is problem solving, right? So I get on the phone and there's an issue. Okay, here's our plan of attack. Let's try this. Let's try this. How can we get to where we need to go as fast and efficiently as possible? And I'm really big on the preventative side, which is writing contracts and reviewing them so that we don't get sued on the back end, right? It's like going to the dentist. The more often you get your teeth cleaned, the less likely you are to have cavities and you know all that good stuff. And, and don't be wrong, people don't like the dentist or lawyers. Uh, but we are, we are necessary. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I try to do. And usually I can, if I talk to somebody or I'm going to, I do, I do a bunch of speaking. If I, if I can get in front of them and I can get them to hear what I'm saying, they will pay attention. I might mm -hmm. not be the number one priority. I might be three and they'll eventually get to me, which is, which is cool, but it's, it's important that they know that these things are out there. And the other thing too, is that the more people that know, the more people that will push back and we can gain some ground, especially now in this situation where there's less and less people to work. If those people that are out there working are, are pushing and saying, no, I'm not going to do this. We'll have more flexibility. 
Yeah, sure. How long have you been an attorney running this law firm? Let's see. I've been an attorney for 18 years and I founded the firm in 2006. So, okay. And only construction is what we've done, you know, no. all, all the construction defects, collections, you know, and we get into employment disputes because we have contractors that, you know, have employees or subcontractors. So we do all the things from the contractor perspective. Got it. And uh, you're in Texas, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Our home okay. office is in Texas. Okay. Do you have clients all over the country or just Texas or? Yeah, all over the country. I've I work in, we work in all 50 states. I have clients in California, North Carolina, all over. Um, and, and aren't the laws different in different states? Yeah. So like, our contract laws are different in all 50 states. Litigation laws are all 50 states. And so we have attorneys in each state that handle oh. that state um, that, that, that work back to the home office. Just because one of the big things that law firms are dinged for is horrible customer service. Mm. And you can't be a subcontractor in the construction industry waiting weeks for your attorney to get back to you. It's just yeah. not something that you can run a successful business and do. And so I try to hone it in and like we have 24 hour guaranteed turnaround time on any issues that you have uh, because we know how important that is. Okay. Now, um, what does it cost for a typical subcontractor to use your services? So for like a contract review is like 750 bucks. We have a five business day turnaround. A contract creation is for residential contractors around $2,000, um, which is it's nice. First off, there's nobody else out there doing this at all. Uh, and so, but it's nice to know that here, I'm giving you a five business day turnaround and here's the price and here's how it's going to work. Uh, so we work and actually we've, um, we've integrated with uh, a software company called JobTread and you can buy our contracts on there and we'll put it in there for you. And it's really kind of making it seamless as much as possible uh, for contractors. Yeah, terrific. Um, so on top of all of this uh, fun stuff, I understand you have three daughters. Yes, sir. <laughs> My oldest is 18. I have 16 and 12. So wow. It's crazy. It goes by fast. Let me tell you. My oldest is, you know, in college and my, my middle is a junior in high school. It's, it's crazy. So how do you have time for running a firm, writing books, three daughters? How do you have time for all this? Just a little at a time. <laughs> a little at a time. And, and, you know, I think it's, it all works together. Uh, if I'd, I'd be bored if I didn't do all these things. So I always have projects going on. And, and, and the main thing is always working on improving, getting better, making the business better, making myself better, you know, and all of the things. So always working on improving and growth. So uh, I'd like to make sure that uh, subcontractors know how to get in touch with you because you do have so much valuable information to provide. So the book, again, at least the latest, is Quit Getting Screwed. It's available where? I assume Amazon or? Amazon. Place. It's yeah. Anywhere books are sold, but Amazon is usually the usually where everybody gets it. Okay. And also your website is www.subcontractorinstitute.com, right? What, what is, why don't you say, what is Subcontractor Institute? So Subcontractor Institute was actually a website that I started when I wrote the book, Quit Getting Screwed. And if you go on there, if you don't like to read, I teach the 20 chapters for free on there and have forms on there, free forms and everything. Uh, just because, and I've actually, I've turned since that website launched, I've turned it into a nonprofit so that we can really get boots on the ground and, and get educational materials out there and be more active. We're still, we're still working, working on what that'll look like, but. That's terrific. And I saw you say there, um, visitors to the site can get any of the PDFs mentioned in the book for free as well, right? So these are all these forms that they have to know about. That's all available on the site for free. Yep. They can also read your blog, right? 
Yep. I have a great blog on, on all different topics that, uh, you know, for residential contractors, collections, all of the things I have blog articles on the lien rights in all 50 States. So we have, it's a great resource if you're in a, if you're in construction. Yeah. And you can also find on the site, um, no, sorry, not on the, well, you can find on the site also the courses they can take. And then if they want to email you, I guess they can email you through there or just directly at Carolyn at the crowmeanslawfirm.com. And why don't you spell it? Carolyn is? K-A-R-A-L-Y-N-N. At the, T-H-E, Crowmeans, which is C-R-O-M-E-E-N-S, lawfirm, L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Uh, and then you're also on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. What do you do there that's different? Oh, I just put out some really good content, um, you know, and we have podcasts called Quick Getting Screwed where we, you know, interview people in the construction industry about, you know, having good bookkeepers and all, all of the things, mindset. We have a mindset coach on there, mm. all of the different things to help you grow and run a better business. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Uh, so what's next for Carolyn Cromie? Do you, you're doing so much. What What do you see as the next chapter? Well, I'm really starting to develop the firm and to be more helpful and to reach contractors in all 50 sites. I'm also hopefully working, I'm working on the third book, which will be called Trust Your Gut, which will be the uh, um, the guide for residential contractors and what to put in your contract. So I hope to launch, I hope to publish that in early 2024. Man, you are a machine. <laughs> you sleep? Gotta help, man, gotta help. Yep, <laughs> yes, actually I go to bed relatively early like 8.30, but I do get up at like 4.15. So, you know, I'm one of those morning people. <laughs> I, I, I knew there was a secret in there somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, Carolyn, I, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. This is just great stuff. Again, the book is Quit Getting Screwed. You can find it on Amazon or go to uh, subcontractorinstitute.com. And I just think you provide a very valuable resource to help subcontractors. And, and probably all small business people could learn a little bit uh, you don't have to be a subcontractor. A lot of these lessons are applicable to anybody who's starting a small business, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the things you should watch out for. Yeah, 100%. So thanks for coming on the show, Caroline. Uh, great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I want to also thank our producer, Tim Alleman, and our coordinators, Diet Barnett and Daniel Huddleston. They do a great job. And if you enjoyed this podcast, tell your colleagues, friends, and family to subscribe. And please leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us in the rankings. Until next time, make it a great week.